Well, I invite you to turn to the passage that we read, John 14, 13, 14. We're coming tonight to the seventh of the I Am statements. And you boys and girls remember them all, don't you? Remember the first one, John 6, I am the bread of life. And then John 8, and also mentioned in John 9 also, I am the light of life. Of the world. And then in John 8, there's another one, John 8, 58. Anyone remember that one? That's a really important one. Before Abraham was, I am. And then in the shepherd allegory in chapter 10, there are two, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And then in chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. So there are Eight statements altogether. We're at the seventh tonight. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, Jesus had told his disciples that he was leaving them. Uh, see that in verse 33, yet a little while I am with you. And several times through this, he's, he's going. He's going to uh, leave them. Uh, and they're troubled. That's not surprising, is it? Just, just imagine what Jesus was to these men for some three years. He was everything, wasn't he? He was their Lord, their master, their teacher, uh, their guide, their example. Uh, He was everything to them. And you can just imagine how dependent they were uh, on Jesus uh, for everything. And now he suddenly says, I'm going to leave you. Uh, What a shock uh, that would be. But he seeks to comfort them. He talks about going to the Father's house, that is, of course, heaven, is going to prepare a place for them. Now, don't get the idea, will you, of Jesus going up to heaven with a bunch of uh, lumber and uh, plasterboard and nails. Uh, My conviction is that the place he went to prepare for them, or where he went to prepare a place for them, was at the cross. That was where the preparation was. Uh, But he was going to heaven, and he was coming back for them. So that he assures them uh, that eventually they will uh, join him. It doesn't say how long, but he assures them that sooner or later he will, uh, they will join him in his father's house uh, in heaven. And they know the way there. So he says in verse uh, 4, you know the way to where I am going. Now I'm sure Thomas speaks for all in verse 5. He says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Uh, need to know the destination at least uh, before they could know uh, the way. Now, Jesus says, you know the way. And they say, we don't know the way. Is there a contradiction? Well, they didn't think they knew the way. Uh, they were looking for a map, I suppose, some uh, uh, outline of exactly where uh, they would go, where Jesus was going and how they would Uh, join him. Uh, That's what they were uh, expecting. Uh, But though the destination was not clear to them at this point, they knew the way because they knew Jesus. Jesus was and is the way to where he was going. He is the way. Not someone who will tell them the way. He is himself the way. And not merely the way. Uh, the truth, 
are the life. And there are three articles there. The way, the truth, the life. So let's look at these three words, expressions, and see how they relate to each other. I am the way. And as we've already been saying, uh, that implies a destination. Uh, You meet someone in the airport, and you say, well, where are you going? Well, on my way to... Well, they have to tell you where they're going, don't they? Whether the States or Europe or whatever it uh, might be. Uh, you must know the destination before you can know the way. Otherwise, it's a, it's a mystery tour. Remember once we were on vacation in the English Lake District with our son Andrew and his wife, Helen. And uh, this is pre-internet days. And uh, he'd made some inquiries about a church uh, for Sunday and we set off to try and find it and we didn't seem to make very good progress and I remember he went into a service station and I went with him he said I'm lost and moreover I don't know where I'm going so uh, they weren't able to help him very much <laughs> we never did find the church uh, but uh, you need to know where you're going at least before there can be uh, a, a map to know the way well where was Jesus going well he was going to the father's house it's going to be with the Father. That's uh, expressed several times, 1628. Uh, uh, I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. You could put it in other terms. In John 10, verse 9, he was the gate, uh, the gate to salvation. I'm the gate, the door, whoever enters by me will be saved. So he was the way to salvation. So Jesus is the way. To be saved. He's the way to heaven. He's the way to the Father. He's the way to eternal life. Not just a teacher of the way, he is the way. The early Christians, if you read Acts several times, uh, there's reference to the Christians as the followers of the way. And uh, Paul speaks at one time in his testimony before the Jews, I, I persecuted this way to the death. Anyone that was walking this way and that is following Jesus, he sought to kill them before he was uh, converted. So they were the people of the way, uh, the way that Jesus had provided. And that way involved the cross. That's really what separates Christianity from all other religions, the cross. The Muslim's way to God is by following the teachings of Muhammad. Sikh's way to God uh, is by following the teachings of their nine or ten gurus. And uh, Confucian's way to God, following the teachings of Confucius, and so on. Well, Jesus was a wonderful teacher. But if all we had was his teaching, there'd be no one in heaven. In other words, while he might explain and taught The way of salvation, it involved an actual act, didn't it? The cross was involved. God is a holy God. He requires pure hearts. He requires holy lives. And we can't achieve that. Uh, We're sinful. We would be forever barred from heaven. But God, in his love, And his mercy sent his son not merely to teach us, but to die for sinners. To go to the cross, go to Golgotha's uh, tree there. 
to die for sinners that we might be reconciled to God. And the cross opens the way for that. Sin was punished. Salvation was purchased there at the cross. But even taking a step further, Jesus' death alone doesn't bring us to heaven. Jesus has died. Does that mean everyone would automatically go to heaven? Well, of course not. There has to be that further step, doesn't it? Uh, Brought about by God, working of the Spirit, but we have to be brought to faith. We have to be brought to a commitment to follow uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We must respond. We must come. How? Well, through Jesus. He is the way. We must come by faith in him. I'll ask you tonight, boys and girls, maybe some of the older ones too, have you come to Jesus? Have you followed that way and entered that door uh, to heaven? Have you come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in him alone for salvation? Do you believe that his death brings you salvation? You've only to ask and confess. But be sure there is no other way. That's very clear in verse 6, isn't it? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that makes our position very unpopular, doesn't it? People are willing to accept the fact, okay, you're you're Christians, you follow the the teachings of Jesus, you go to your church and so on, but uh, we do things a, a, a different way. Uh, But if you were to say, yeah, but the only way to salvation, the only way to heaven is through Jesus, people get very upset, don't they? Uh, How could we be so arrogant as to say we're the only ones right? Ours is the only way to heaven, to salvation. That sounds very arrogant, doesn't it? But that's the way it is. That's the way it is. All other ways are ways of works. Man's ways, not God's ways. Now naturally, we want to earn salvation. We want to feel, well, we can do it. We can earn salvation. We can work things out, follow the teaching and work our own way to heaven. That's, that's very natural. I'll never forget the first time I met my father after my conversion. My father left my mother went off with another woman when I was seven, and I rarely saw him. But after I was converted in the army, uh, I wanted an opportunity uh, to witness to him, to tell him what the Lord had done in my life. Uh, but he wasn't usually around. He married a woman from Ireland, spent his summers in Ireland, his winters in Spain. But I heard one day he was visiting his brother, who happened to be living quite close to us. So I went, uh, met my father. It was time for years and uh, try to tell him what the Lord had done for me, how he brought me to Christ, trusting in him, knowing forgiveness of sins. And I'll never forget his answer. No, no, no. Justification is by works. That's all he saw. Our works are all that can justify us, make us right with God. And one of the hardest things for people to grasp is that salvation cannot be earned. It has to be received as a gift. Now, you don't pay for a gift, do you? Supposing someone gives you a, a beautiful birthday or Christmas gift, maybe someone has worked for hours to 
uh, to knit a beautiful sweater or made a, make a, a, a wonderful quilt or spend a lot of money on some uh, expensive present and they give it to you. You say, well, thank you. How much do I owe you? Uh, they'd be a little offended, wouldn't they, if uh, you offered to pray, pay for a uh, present. Uh, a present is a gift. We receive it as a free gift. We receive it without payment. We cannot earn it. We cannot deserve it. We are not saved by works, as the New Testament points out in a number of places, and not by faith plus works, as even more would try and uh, teach us. Jesus is the way and the only way. But then secondly, he says, I am the truth. Now, there are three distinct terms, as we mentioned, three articles there. He doesn't say, I am the true and living way. Uh, but it does seem that the first has priority because of the second part of verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. So coming to the Father uh, implies a way, doesn't it? So it almost seems that the way is the, uh, has a preeminence of those uh, three. So we think of Jesus as the, the truth and the life in connection with the way. Thomas Kempis, in his book, some of you may have read it, uh, Imitation of Christ, has an in, in, interesting quotation there combining the three. He's really given the words of Christ. Follow thou me, I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow, the truth with which thou must believe, the life for which thou must hope. I am the inviolable way, the infallible truth, the never-ending life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, true life, blessed life, life uncreated. So you see the uh, connection he makes between the uh, three terms. Now when you speak of truth, it implies the existence of lies, doesn't it? If you're talking to someone and uh, maybe they have difficulty believing you or you have difficulty in believing what someone's saying to you and they insist, no, this is the truth, that immediately applies that Things not not always true. Uh, there are lies. It's like with uh, treasury bills. You may have a hundred dollar bill and you pay it in for something, and the the guy looks at it, holds it up to the light, and you might say it's genuine, it's real, uh, but he knows and you know that there are some uh, forgeries and not always uh, genuine. So I say truth implies error or lies, and there is a devil who seeks to deceive. He's called the father of lies. And he puts before us alternatives to the gospel. Now in Proverbs 9, there's a very interesting comparison there. I'm sure you have read it. But first of all, you get wisdom speaking. Wisdom has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple... Let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, 
Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. But then further down the chapter you get folly. The woman folly is loud. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. That's a very similar invitation, isn't it? So who do you believe, wisdom or folly? How do you know who uh, to follow? And there are many conflicting uh, voices today telling us the way uh, to God. Uh, You have Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Mormons, others. Uh, They can quote scripture. Uh, They speak of Christ and faith. But it's always faith plus. Jesus and something else. The Bible and some other source of authority. It's very interesting to read the, the Mormon's statement of faith. And it says something like this, we believe the Bible to be the word of God insofar as it is correctly translated. We also believe the Book of Mormon to be the word of God. Full stop. (laughs) No qualifications there. Uh, So when there's a conflict, of course, between what the Bible says and what the Book of Mormon says, Book of Mormon wins out every time. And it's the same with Roman Catholics. Uh, Yes, they believe the Bible is the word of God, but they also hold church traditions of equal weight, equal value. So once again, when there's a conflict between what the Bible says and what the church fathers have said or church traditions, uh, church tradition is the one that they uh, go to uh, every time. So many are led into error by these things. So how do we know what is truth and what is error? Many people have no answer to that. When Jesus was before Pilate at his so-called trial, and he says, I came to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate answers scornfully, what is truth? Uh, Pilate wasn't really concerned very much about what truth uh, was. There are others who tell us there's no absolute truth. What is true for you is not necessarily true for me. What is true for me may not be true for you. So it's a, it's a relative thing. Uh, whatever you want to establish as truth, well, that's your truth, but not everyone will agree. Uh, some will say that truth is what society thinks, what the majority of people uh, want. Well, what is truth? Well, Jesus is the truth. Paul says the truth is in Jesus, Ephesians 4, 21. Christ is called the Word of God. One of his titles in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and so on uh, there. Uh, All he says is true. He has the words of eternal life. He held people spellbound by his teaching, but more than that, he is the truth. The source of wisdom is found in him. Colossians 2.2, Paul says, speaking of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is 
the truth himself. He's wisdom personified. I'm sure you've read this and you won't mind me uh, quoting it, a little longer passage, but Proverbs 8, 22 is a beautiful passage. It's wisdom speaking. And you get wisdom personified, speaking as if it was a person. And when you read it, you, it's pretty clear as which direction it's going. Uh, I wisdom, he says, I, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. What a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, wisdom personified. He is the truth. Not only speaks the truth, but he is the truth. And a simple test for assessing the claims to truth, we must ask, how much of Christ is in it? How much of Christ does it contain? Does it focus on him? Is the cross central? Remember Paul's words to the Corinthians, I determined to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's the essence of the gospel message. Sadly, even in many churches, there's little to say, little, little truth said about these things. Before our son was converted, uh, they used to attend sometimes, not that regularly, a United Church in uh, Vancunet, 20 miles east of Bracebridge. And uh, we were up there one Thanksgiving and uh, we went along, packed with cottages and visitors uh, there. Uh, I thought, what a wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel. Now, we did say that God was a creator, uh, but that was it. As far as Christ, he was a, a wonderful example to us. Nothing of the gospel. Nothing of the cross. How tragic. Yes, Jesus is a wonderful example, but that's not the heart of the gospel. He's a miracle worker. He's a great teacher. He's a wonderful person. But the essence of the gospel message is Christ's death and resurrection. Get that again in 1 Corinthians 15. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first important importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. There's Paul's gospel. 
the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if someone is not preaching those great truths, uh, they're not preaching truth. They are not preaching that which is according to God's will or God's word. Any system of teaching that doesn't focus on the cross is defective. Even Islam teaches that Jesus was a great prophet and sinless, but it despises the cross. Joe Vandenberg once got me involved in a debate with a a Muslim imam. And uh, when we started our discussion, he said, we're not going to consider Paul's writings. We're going to stay with the words of Jesus. I said, that's fine. Enough in the words of Jesus to bring the gospel out. But when we touched on his death, he denied that the gospels taught that Jesus died. I said, how can you possibly uh, deny that when it's so plainly uh, spelled out? Uh, but no, they won't accept that Jesus died. Some accept that he was on the cross. There's Muslims divided into two here. Some said, yes, he was on the cross, but he only swooned and he revived afterwards. And there are others, a group of them, that say, no, one died on the cross, but it was Judas, not Jesus. But they will not accept the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, Jesus is the truth. Without him, there's no knowledge worth having. You may get numerous university degrees, but unless you have the truth of God's word implanted in your heart, controlling your life, uh, it amounts to nothing. Jesus is the way and the truth. And thirdly, he's the life. He's the life. When considering the Father or the heaven as a destination, we need to know the way, the truth about the destination, but also how we will live when we get there. Now, maybe you're thinking about vacation for next year, maybe even this year, I don't know. Uh, You decide a number of things. First of all, where are you going? And then how are you going to get there? Are you going to drive? Are you going to fly? Take a a boat for a cruise? Uh, Those things are important. But then what are you going to do when you get there? How are you going to spend your time? We go to Britain when we can. Uh, usually three or four times in the months, three or four weeks in the spring, we have to decide how we're going to spend our time. We're going to spend some time with my wife's sister, some time with our son, maybe sometimes with a nephew there. Uh, how are we going to live when we get there? Well, Christ is the answer for the Christian. Christ is our life. I am the life. We'll live in and through him. Not only in the future, in the present. I am the way, our truth, and the life. It's a present thing too. Christ is our life. Because he's the source of life, isn't he? Even physically, uh, we need to recognize that. Uh, He's the source of our life. He made us. He's our creator. But natural life, even though it is God-given, will not get us to heaven. We need life of a different kind spiritual life, eternal life. By nature, we're spiritually dead. Paul refers to widows who live for this world. He said they're dead while they live. 
<laughs> they're living, they think they're having a great time, but they're dead, spiritually dead. And so is every unconverted person. So were we before we came to the Lord, spiritually dead. But Jesus gave us spiritual life. And he still gives spiritual life to those that are dead in their sins. Uh, he died that we might live. He also imparts life to us. The Christian is united to Christ. We share his life. He is our life. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Can we say that? To me to live is Christ. Remember Jesus' words in his prayer, John 17, 3. This is life eternal, uh, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we have to ask, is Christ our life? Is Christ your life? Or you just got the life you were born with. Uh, you need a step forward there. You need the Lord Jesus to be your life. Now you might say, well, I know he's the only way to God in heaven. Uh, you say he's the truth. He's the focus and center of the gospel. He's the true life we need. But is he your life? Or just one interest in your life. What does Christ mean to you? Be honest. More than possessions? More than family? More than your job? More than your hobby? Can you say with the apostle, for me to live is Christ? He should be our all in all, is he? to ask that. Is Christ my all in all? Is he all that really matters to me in life? Well, he certainly should be. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's an amazing statement, particularly when he made it, because the way he was soon to take would take him to Gethsemane, sweating great drops of blood, and then to Golgotha, the cross. He was to be the subject of lying accusations. Truth would be despised and denied. He was to be beaten and put to death. Yet he was and still is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. No other way will do. No other way is acceptable to God. All other ways are false. However popular they might be, they're wrong roots. They're dead ends. They will get us nowhere. Make sure you go the right way. You boys and girls, you make sure you're going the right way through Jesus. Not just following the teaching. Uh, of your parents, or teachers that you might have, but following the words of the Lord Jesus, which I trust your parents bring to you, uh, following him, coming to Christ, repenting of your sins, asking for forgiveness and salvation. Receive eternal life, true for all of us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.
Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. He came into this world to save sinners. He came to provide a way to seek your face, to come to you in heaven. He provided the truth by which we would know what you are like, what we are like, what is the way of salvation. And he is himself the life which we need, which we can have. We can receive him and know him as our life. Oh, Father, we pray this might be the experience of each one here tonight, each one that might be listening or watching online. Father, may we, each of us, delight in the Lord Jesus Christ as our way, truth, and our life. We pray in his name.